Ray Montgomery like to welcome you to the Navigating Blindness podcast. And on today's show, we have members of the Employment Service Team. How are you guys doing? I'm very good. Good All right. I wanted to bring you guys on the podcast because October is National Disability Employment Awareness Month. And I wanted to talk to you guys about uh, how you guys help individuals who are blind, vision impaired, find gainful employment, some of the struggles you guys may face, and then also helping individuals find employment during a global pandemic. So I'm going to start with you, Christy. And uh, could you tell us what you do here at Bosman Enterprises? Yes. Thanks for having us again, Ray. We always appreciate the opportunity to talk about what we do. I am Christy Russell, and I oversee the Employment uh, Services Program, and that also includes our Youth Employment Services Program. Okay. Natalie? I'm Natalie Weisenbach, and I am an employment specialist here. I've been with Bosman now. Um, for three and a half years, um, just working on getting people connected to their passions. All right, Matt. Yeah, I'm Matt Edwards, and I'm an employment specialist here, working with our adults to uh, find opportunities for jobs out in the community. Mm-hmm. And I'm Eddie Chapman. I'm employment specialist here. I've been here seven years and enjoy uh, helping people who are blind or visually impaired get jobs in the community. Sounds good. So, as you guys know, right now, the current unemployment rate among people who are blind and visually impaired is 70%, um, 62% in the state of Indiana. Uh, Chris, I'm going to start with you. Why do you think that number is so high? I 100% believe it's because there's still just a lack of understanding and education with our businesses. Um, I think until you are around someone or meet someone who is blind or visually impaired, um, you, you don't understand what's available. It, it, it's hard to understand how someone who is blind can use a computer. It's hard to understand how someone who's blind can go to work. Mm. Um, you know, we realize that people don't know what exists until they're in a situation or meet someone that utilizes different technologies or stuff like that. We know that a lot of employers also feel like there's a liability. You know, it's a, it's a higher risk to hire someone who's blind. And it comes down to the fact that People, I think, put themselves in the position where they say, I don't know how I would do that if right. I were blind. And in fact, you know, our individuals, we joke, they're, they're not just blind when they go to work. They're, they're blind 24-7. So they're, they're pretty well equipped to, to navigate around. They go to the store. They shop. They go on vacations. They, they do everything that everybody else does. It might just look a little bit different. So really, I think the the main barrier continues to be um, a lack of education and awareness to hiring managers, business recruiters, uh, HR professionals that just don't know enough yet about how someone can do the job. Right. Hey, Natalie, what are your thoughts? Uh, I really would second all of what Christina said, you know. Um, I think once we start working with businesses and talking to them and having these open conversations and, you know, addressing what are your concerns? How can we help you navigate uh, hiring somebody who has a a visual impairment to be successful in your workforce? We walk in a lot of times to these places and we don't need to talk a lot about accommodations. They're pretty minimal for the most part, you know, and businesses are just blown away. They're like, wow, this, it's that easy? Like, you have no concerns? None. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I walk into a company. I'm like, 
man, you guys are really organized. You guys are doing great things. You really have everything in place already for somebody who was blind or visually impaired to walk and sit down and do their job today. You know, and if you find these little things, they tend to be uh, small accommodations. And, and so I think, again, it's just educating our businesses to understand that, nope, there's not a liability. Nope, you're not spending $5 million on accommodations <laughs> right. for somebody to come in to work. And you're getting really talented employees that are going to come in and be successful in your workforce who are going to stay and, and in turn, you know, really decrease that turnover rate for you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, Eddie, you guys got any th- thoughts on that? Uh, I just wanted to add on to what the ladies have just said, that a lot of times the clients don't, or the employers don't have experience even working with someone who is blind or visually impaired. They have no idea what what he what is even like to, to do that. Okay. So Matt, how has the uh, pandemic right now affected the way uh, you guys are serving clients right now? Uh, well, we've actually just recently seen an increase in uh, our clients getting jobs, uh, which has been good. I think, uh, you know, as, as businesses have opened back up and uh, began, um, you know, uh, their normal activities, uh, you know, we've started to see more job openings, at least I have, and, uh, you know, we have had uh, a lot of folks start getting uh, responses again, but uh, there in the early part of this year, it was it, you know it, it was it was pretty lackluster <laughs> yeah. as, as far as uh, job openings and everything like that, and that doesn't help us because you know our folks are already uh, facing the challenge of you know being somebody who's visually impaired trying to get a job. Um, but you know recently i mean we've had several people go to work here uh, throughout august and september um and i don't know i'd like to think that we're getting back to business as usual so um hey it's it's we put in a lot of efforts in 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 our job searching and our uh assisting uh you know our clients so um hopefully business as usual going forward here i know the uh center was closed for a brief moment uh, while, you know, the COVID was very, very high. Um, I know you guys also provided some virtual training. Talk about the training you guys provided and how you still connected with clients uh, while the center was closed, Christy. Sure. So like everyone else, right, in the entire world, it seemed, um, we all had to quickly react on our feet to how do we still provide services? Because even though COVID was happening, Um, It didn't mean that people still didn't have a need. You know, we still had to figure out how are we going to serve people in this new situation? Um, I don't want to say new normal. Um, So for us, we said, well, you know, let's look at the the main components of our job. And really, a lot of our work is already out of the office. So we Mm -hmm. weren't bound to the building, if that makes sense. So we were able to still work from home. The The tricky part in the beginning was we all had to quickly learn how to use Zoom, uh, very quickly. Yeah, everybody. And, and that, so that was the first step is, okay, well I might have used it here or there, you know, attending yeah. a meeting, but none of us had been using it on a regular basis or utilized it as part of service delivery. Mm-hmm. So so that was the first hurdle. Um, so we, we had to quickly, trial and error. We tested it on ourselves. You know, late, later in the day, we'd each kind of take turns 
playing around on it so we weren't all right. logging in at the same time. Uh, we had a, It took us what, a few times to learn how to do the phone option because uh, calls were coming oh, in yeah. but we didn't know how to transfer them. Yeah. Um, and, and our clients, they were amazing during the whole time. They were so patient with us. We were like, hey, we're learning too. Um, so once we had to figure it out, then we had to say, well, gosh, now how do we teach our clients to log in to Zoom? Because we can't be there in person to train them. You right. know, we had to do a lot of it over the phone and also trial and error with our clients. Yeah. We had to figure out how to even send the link to them because a lot of our individuals, they don't have computers. They have a right. smartphone. So right. it's like, well, how do you connect? You know, we got to teach you how to do that. So there was a, a significant learning curve in the beginning. and But we didn't quit. We just kept doing it. And mm -hmm. we were patient with our clients. They were patient with us. And we started implementing virtual trainings back in April. And we are still doing them because they are successful. Yes. Um, so we host our, our regular ones are every Wednesday and Friday at 1030. And that's open to all of our clients. And during um, the pandemic time, we opened it up to any of our youth that were able to connect. And, and Micah Ball, our employment youth employment specialist, helped mm -hmm. some of our students connect so we could continue to reach them and make sure they were okay. Um, and, and we saw a lot of our clients engage more so than even when we were meeting in person, which was an interesting dynamic. But I think when you remove the transportation barrier, yeah. they don't have anything else to do. So it was like, well, let's let's have some social interaction and connect. Um, and then from there, we, we just continued that. And last month in September, we said, OK, well, we need to get our, our clients more comfortable with applying because if you're not applying, you're, you're guaranteed to not get an interview and you're yes. guaranteed to not get a job. So as part of our desire to softly nudge them a little bit more <laughs> and motivate them to just start applying, we began a, a Monday virtual training, same time, 1030. We kept the same time for all Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm -hmm. And this one we're calling an application empower hour. And that's where my team's available, but it's a designated time for our clients to say, hey, at one hour, every week, every Monday, I am gonna sit down and apply to jobs. Yes. And if I need help or I get stuck or a website isn't reading correctly or I don't understand how to respond to this question, I'm logged into a Zoom with the employment services team and we're there to help them get through that if they get stuck. So while they may not need us at all during that hour, mm -hmm. it's a way to just say, hey, out of my time, I am designating this hour, and if I need the assistance, I have it. So virtual's allowed us to do quite a bit of our job, um, if not all of it, with the small exception of when we get new individuals to the program that we don't know. Mm -hmm. It is hard to give a full professional assessment when we can't see their cane skills. You know, yes. We can't see their computer skills. So so there are some things that still need to be done in person and that's kind of the path that we're in now is figuring out how do we do that safely with social distancing and yeah. things like that. So do you guys feel that um, working from home jobs um, will be more beneficial, more open for individuals who are blind or visually impaired? I'm gonna throw this to you, Natalie. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of good opportunity with working from home and I think, you know, just like Christy had said people were more engaged in that in Zoom world for us. And mm -hmm. because you have taken out some of those barriers of transportation. Um, but I think that there, I think companies are seeing the value in work from home, right? Not everybody needs to be in the office right. all day, every day. 
uh, for things that you can get really good productivity out of your employees at home, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think I am seeing more uh, opportunities come through for clients who that's their skill set and that's what they want to do. Um, which I think is going to be huge for individuals who live in a rural area and really have that hard barrier of transportation mm-hmm. trying to get to a you know brick and mortar building with limited transportation options. So I'm I'm really hopeful for that. Yeah. So how do you feel, Matt? Working from home, how do how do you feel that opened up opportunity for people who are blind or vision impaired? Uh, probably enormously. You know. Um, uh, we're seeing a lot. I'm seeing a lot more job openings uh, for work from home jobs. But uh, I think when you consider it, because I, you know, start to hear a lot from clients uh, who want to work from home and stuff too. But I think you really got to uh, put into perspective their technology skills mm-hmm. and, and yes. things like that. Yes. Because I mean, if if you're not a really good Jaws user, really good computer user, if you're in the beginning stages. Working from home on a computer is might not be for you. I don't know. Oh yeah, I, it could be stressful because I know some people who you don't have an IT guy right there to try right. help you troubleshoot right, right there. Yeah. But you're like, oh, yeah. okay, I'm so, stuck. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, if, if the clients have a, a great level of, of computer skills, yes. yeah, work from home jobs can be mm-hmm. ideal. You know, but uh, I, you know, the. <laughs> The more I've worked from home in the last uh, six, seven months, the more I don't like it. (laughs) I am tired of uh, just walking, getting up, and going to my desk and sitting there all day. And then, you know, oh, while I'm home, I guess I'll sit here all night, too. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, I mean, anybody who's considering a work-from-home job, uh, I think you got to take that into consideration, too, because... Spending every single day at home, uh, working, and then and then living, um, boy, it, it is nice to get out of the house. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Then you got the kids on top of that, so yeah, yeah, exactly. so. <laughs> it never gets away. And, yeah. and I think Matt, just to kind of tag on to that a little bit, I think that's something that we really have talked to clients about, right? Do you have the setup at home to work from home? Right. You yeah. know, what are you going to do with your exactly. kids? Looking mm-hmm. at all of those. Um, little details right that oh i can go work from home and i don't ever have to leave and that's great well let's talk about what that really looks like for you working from home and i think going back to talking with businesses understanding that our clients were really working with them from the start to make sure that yes you do have the tech skills to work from home that yes, you do have the setup and you have the ability and personality to work from home because it it, it, it is a different dynamic than when you're in an office setting. Yeah, yeah. Eddie, your thoughts? Any thoughts? Well, I'm also saying that some companies are still apprehensive in their job descriptions mm-hmm. because what they will say is, I have this job that's work from home, but during the pandemic, but then you'll be required to come back to the office. I think those are the mm-hmm. companies that are saying, wait a minute, we're going to take this a little slower mm-hmm. to see if it actually works. Mm-hmm. Because as Matt had alluded to, you know, there, there will be some challenges, especially the technology challenges. We had those even before the pandemic, right. where uh, if they're using assistive technology or they're using technology that's used for people with disabilities that the company may not even be aware of those technologies so it'll be difficult for them to support 
let's say, for example, Jaws, because they just they don't know anything about Jaws. Yeah, and and I've, I've been seeing that with a couple of people I know that do work from home. It's like some of their you know software or some of the programs that they need to you know access sometimes is not as Jaws friendly. So then they have that anxiety of oh, I can't. Who do I call now to help me right. out with my jobs? And it just has an extra stress. So, how do you guys feel about uh, virtual interviews? Have you guys done any virtual interviews? Or assisted yeah, anyone yeah. in a virtual interview? How, do, how does that look? <laughs> and what uh, recommended recommendation do you have for anyone going forward? I'll let the the team because they did have some clients that had virtual interviews. But I will say what we learned from it from our perspective was that. By having our clients engage in our virtual trainings, mm -hmm. they were already comfortable connecting to Zoom, knowing how to mute themselves, unmute themselves, do the mm -hmm. camera. So they didn't quite realize at the time, like, hey, I'm prepping for the the event. I get an right. online interview. But right. um, So it was kind of a win-win in that by connecting with us for training, you were also already learning that sub skill set that you would need if you were offered a, sure. a virtual interview. But I'll let Matt and Natalie talk about it because I know they've had clients that had the virtual interviews during that time. Yeah, so um, Kristen nailed it, right? Those virtual <laughs> trainings were so important and we tried to really talk to our clients about that. Um, especially when we started the application process. I was like, look, you have to be in these virtual trainings, we have to meet by Zoom. We need to make sure that you understand, you know, where your camera is so that people are looking at your face and not your ceiling <laughs> or the floor. And uh, talked about, you know, what's in your background, what's going mm -hmm. on back there, making sure that you have a good, uh, good lighting going on and um, that your microphone is on. And you know how to appropriately answer all these questions at the same time as doing the whole virtual setting. Um, but I think the thing that was really fun to see, um, I think companies were a little more open. It's I think, probably a little easier for them, a little less, um, a little less of a time thief, I guess, to have somebody come into the building, right? Uh, when you can do these virtual trainings, or I'm sorry, the, the virtual interviews. And so I, I saw that Clients were having a little more of those and more success. Um, and I think you can do some some really fun team interviews a little easier, I think, through Zoom as well, or you know, virtual setting. Um, and I think our candidates did really well with them in overall in general, at least in the mind did, and we're pretty successful with those. Yeah, I've had a couple people with virtual interviews and um, like Natalie said, the most important thing you can do is make sure that you're presentable you know, to the camera, uh, your background is um, acceptable and all that. Um, my folks have liked it because they, they felt it was a little less stressful than actually being face-to-face -face with somebody and all that. Um, I can just stress it, if you have to do these, you know, don't try to do them in your pajamas. I'm going to ask you that. Make sure you dress them. Even though the camera is not focused on that, I mean, you're, it's it's all about a mindset when you're. Yeah, uh, put your pants on. Yeah, get yourself. I mean, fully dressed in your in your suit or your uh, dress, uh, whatever attire that is. I mean, you know, go all out just like you're um, in front of somebody, uh, because that's. I mean. You know, if I'm, hey, I'm, I'm guilty of uh, doing Zoom meetings in my pajamas and, you know, a nice shirt on top. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all are. Right there. Uh, but, you know, I mean, 
you know, the one time I had to get on with uh, some some of our executive people like that, I went ahead and put on the full dress, you know, because I was just like, okay, this this is going to help me put myself, you know, keep my uh, mindset professional. Um, otherwise, I, I, you know. Yeah, you, you touched on that with the mindset. I mean, I know it's when I was working from home. You know, I, I had to eventually put on some clothes sometimes because it made me feel a little better. You yeah. know, saying so like, okay, I'm working. I'm, I'm, I'm in my groove. That that house coat wasn't working. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so Eddie, uh, let's talk about accommodations and uh, what employers need to hire an individual who is blind or visually impaired. So what accommodations does a person need once they get on the job? We talked about screen readers. Is there anything else that a person may need? Well, the accommodations may vary depending on the individuals that are applying for the mm -hmm. jobs. Uh, for example, two people can be have the same diagnosis, but one may need uh, Zoom, the screen reader. Yeah, Zoom text. Uh, another one may need uh, jobs, for, and they have the same diagnosis. So each person it's custom to that person. And as far as working with the employers, uh, we would t let them know that most accommodations are usually about $1,500 or less, so they're not very expensive. Mm -hmm. And we also can assess many of their challenges that they have here and determine what some of them may need in order to do a job. Okay. Uh, another thing that I like to do is I like to go to the company and do a walkthrough mm -hmm. wherever they're going to interview or if they're look, being looked at as a, as a viable candidate, I like to go and check out their environment because there's some things that we need to use to modify or to change just for the person coming in with a disability. Mm -hmm. For example, you may go to a a building and they need they don't have signs designating where the restrooms are that's a sign maybe above their head 10 feet above their head well you need to have a placard on the door that that the clients can read or you might need to uh, put floor mats or something like that down so the person can tell exactly where they're at uh, or um, just some precautions that may need be need to be taken while they're actually there as well okay. like staying out of particular areas so you're recording or rope off that area so that the client isn't hurt or that or their employee is not hurt by that so, so Christy are there any programs that will help the employer offset some of that cost yeah so in our case all of our clients are already connected with the uh, state of Indiana vocational rehabilitation services program mm -hmm. which means that if there is something they need on the job and it's something the employer cannot somehow secure, um, then Voc Rehab is there to help make sure that that item can be purchased and if there's any training that the individual would need to be able to use that item, VR is there as a backup to, to make sure that they have that. There's also some local um, organizations such as InData where they have a loaner program so if there's something in which VR has ordered it or the employer has ordered the item but it's not in yet and the individual needs to start their job then there's a very good chance that either A, Bosma might have a loaner item or B, we can partner with InData at Easter Seals Crossroads and try to get a loaner item uh, so that the individual doesn't have to wait to start their job because we know the employer they they have a need right they, they don't want to yeah. wait around for right. accommodations before the employee starts so you know our our first you know 
I guess our first thing is voc rehab if the business cannot somehow afford it. Like if it's a small business, most likely they're not going to be able to afford any kind of major purchase. Um, so we work with voc rehab and then of course if there's anything needed in the meantime, if Bosma has something that we can use or uh, partner up with other organizations that might have that resource in the meantime. Cool. Well, let's, let's switch gears a little bit here. I know you guys have a new in HR employer series going on right now. I wanted to learn a little bit more and um, see how uh, individuals can get involved with that. So, Natalie, could you tell us about your new HR employer series? Yeah, so our um, engaged or engagement employer education series sorry <laughs> <laughs> so everybody knows what EEOC is we're going to go we got an acronym for everything yes we do, yes, we do. Uh, but it's it's a really great um, place for us to work with hiring managers and HR professionals uh, to work on breaking down some of those barriers uh, about what it entails to hire somebody who's blind or visually impaired um, so we're really connecting uh, companies that we've worked with in the past who have successfully hired somebody, uh, inviting them to share their story with uh, businesses that are thinking about hiring somebody or not sure what it means yet, but they're interested, and you know, just trying to help them understand um, what they're looking at, right? And being that safe space to ask those questions that they don't know. I think. You know, we have said it before and I think it's something that's really important to all of us is that we want to be that safe spot, right? For you to get those questions answered that maybe you're not sure, like, am I going to have to take this employee to the bathroom all the time? Like, how does this work? You know, we want to answer that for you and the answer is no, you don't, <laughs> right? Um, so we're really working to build those business relationships to help decrease that unemployment rate for people who are blind and visually impaired and create more opportunities. When is the next um, series? Uh, the next series is in November on the... Sorry. No worries. We'll, we'll definitely have it on, on the... On the 17th of 17th? November. Yep, 17th of November. Um, and that'll be at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So we encourage anybody to sign up to that on Bitbrite and... Come spend, come spend some time with us and learn what we're doing. Yeah, and, and we offer that for free because, again, going back to our very first question of today is what do we feel like is the barrier, right? And that's that lack of education. And so we do offer that as a free training uh, to HR professionals, recruiters, hiring managers, anyone, even CEOs, because I think there's importance that if the mindset can start at the top, it will yes. go back down mm -hmm. um, and, and the buy-in is there. So we we do ask that people register because we know when we are presenting, we can't always stop and ask for your contact information, yes. but you might want more from us or need more from us. And so it's a great way for us to be sure we can follow up with you afterwards. But uh, you know, check out all of our social media channels because I know, Ray, you and your team do a great job pushing that out for us to the definitely public. Promote it. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So um, before I get you guys out of here, let's talk about internships and volunteer volunteerism. Um, how important is that uh, for an individual who is searching for a job to you know, be able to get an internship or maybe even just to volunteer to get their foot in the door? Mm -hmm. uh, Mary? Matt. <laughs> Matt, let's switch over to you. Uh, yeah, it's very important. Um, I mean, first of all, it helps close a gap on a resume or uh, work experience, stuff like that. Um, 
but also offers the opportunity to uh, you know gain some skills, gain some new skills um, to uh, take with you. And sometimes these things lead to uh, permanent you know positions. I mean, so, you know, a lot of times people just need the chance to get in and uh, you know show themselves and uh, their capabilities and everything like that. And in our you know folks' case, that's very important. So. Um, just seems like you know it's, they've been less and less here, obvious for obvious reasons in the last year. Um, but I mean, if you can find them, you know, absolutely yeah. take it, mm -hmm. run with it, see where it goes. Eddie, uh, I would say also on the flip side of that, where a an employer may not have experience working with anybody with a disability, this also gives them an opportunity to see that people with disabilities can do and sometimes even exceed the, the standards and capabilities of their current employers. So it gives them an opportunity to look at the client, say, hey, this person really can do the job. Uh, a lot of times they're amazed at how well the individuals do their job. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and I think that the other thing that's important for the person who is working in that internship uh, or volunteering we say it all the time that it's a great way for you to start building your own network. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe this doesn't lead to uh, employment currently, but you're building relationships with people. Uh, it's a great way to have a reference and mm -hmm. for somebody who has limited work experience. And I'm thinking about some of our, you know, recent graduates who who don't have somebody when they're on your application saying, hey, who are free references for you, that's a great, great spot to get that information from is from your internships or from volunteer work. Okay. One more question. Are there any blind jobs? No. <laughs> I know you guys get that awful, awful lot. So. Where do blind people work? Where do yeah. blind people work? <laughs> cool. Cool. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming on the podcast today and sharing all that great information for National Disability Employment Awareness Month and shedding more light on the capabilities of people who are blind or visually impaired. So continue to do what you guys have been doing. Uh, and if you guys want to know, learn more, please visit us on the web at bosman.org. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and on SoundCloud and follow us on all social media channels. And we'll talk to you guys next week.